Hello and welcome to the Football Weekly Podcast. I'm your host Jordan Scott and today I'm joined by Brian Waters. Hello. Mike Fairclough. Good afternoon Jordan. And Alex Such. Hello Jordan. As always, um, from now on we're going to start with a random question and I'm very intrigued to hear Mike Fairclough's um, answer to this one so I'm going to start with him. Your karaoke song of choice. Why are you interested to hear mine? Because I'm just interested you. Um, your music knowledge is usually... Karaoke song of choice. Oh, you're going to have to let me think about that. Jordan. Such. Oh, um, never done karaoke to be honest. Oh, knock a I've, only, I've, only, in I've, only, I've only done it when, when I've been bladdered and stormed onto someone else's one when they're doing it. Um, I'm not sure, something easy. Go on. No idea. Um, I don't know, probably Oasis, something like that, a bit of a cop out, but an Oasis song of some sort. Brian? Um, probably a bit of Take That, I think. Take That? Oh, wonderful. Any particular rendition? Um, there's a couple. Uh, Pray is one. Um, everything changes, but you're a good tune as well. I'm a bit of a bit. Never forget for I the big note a, at the end. No, no, no. Never, never be forget. Attracting the fifty-year-olds. So. Never forgets to basically. Well, to be fair, a lot of my family parties involve fifty-five nah. women, so it kind of it just goes on with a theme. Play, play to the audience. Play I'm going to I'm gonna take that fan as well. So. There we go. Uh, I think it'd probably be. I don't like the cliche of like Oasis songs on. And karaoke, it's like, uh, I'm such a lad, I've got a kind of Stella in my hand, <laughs> singing Oasis. Uh, but it probably would be uh, Acquiesce by Oasis, I quite like that song. It's one of, a bit different. One of my favourites. Yeah, okay. So, um, did that Did that fulfil you? I was, th- I was thinking it was going to be a bit like... Um, Beatles. Yeah. No, my mind would be Beatles, but I thought yours was going to be a bit out there. But. <laughs> I did hear a lad do, um, which is one of the best uh, karaoke's ever heard, do uh, Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash. Oh, really? That was brilliant, yeah. Because he, he, was, he was really good at it. Yeah. He, he went for the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrific. Nice. I think, um, if you're asking me, mine would be Hey Jude, probably. Or maybe um, Three no, Little no. Birds by Bob Marley. Like that. Like good that choice. Well. Good I think choice. you can turn that one into a football song as well. So, you know, it's always useful when you can... Don't bother singing. But... Um, Move on to the football, and I believe we're going to start with Liverpool. We are. Um, obviously, there's three of us around this table with pretty glum faces, and one of us who's absolutely buzzing from this weekend. Um, in terms of Liverpool performances this season, how high have you ranked that one? I think um, it's probably the best 20 minutes of football I've ever seen. My dad's been following Liverpool since he was a kid, and um, obviously he's seen the great teams of the, the, the 70s and 80s, and um, he said that's the best you know, 20 minutes of football that he's ever seen. So that probably puts it in context of how good it was. And we just blew them away. I think um, when you start with that sort of tempo, it doesn't matter who, you, who you're playing. I think, um, it, and, it, and it could be more, to be fair. I think Arsenal probably got off quite lightly in the end, you know, four goals after 20 minutes. Um, it sounds like, you know, we just took all our chances. But anyone who watched the first 20 minutes will know the fact that, you know, there was a few chances in there, like Colo Torres missed from the Suarez shot. It was pretty unbelievable. But... I think he's going to get away with that because you know Suarez's effort was just extraordinary. But um, yeah, I think you know when when you can brush when you can finish the game in the first half, that's always a positive. Like we've done so many times this season. Um, probably the most obvious example was the Derby game. When we, you know we just blew everything away. But you know this 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 was different. You know this was against like you know obviously the league leaders. And um, I think the only the only game I can sort of compare it to was when we beat Real Madrid four 0 under Rafa Benitez and we just blew them away first half and. Uh, we've I've heard a lot of pundits say that you know Liverpool need to do this every week now, but <laughs> it's it's very easy to say that, but it's another thing to do it. And um, but obviously you know we still got City to come to come at home, we have got Chelsea to come at home, and, and teams who enjoy having you know possession um, 
are perfect to play into the hands of the way we want to play. You know, Arsenal enjoy having the ball, enjoy having the ball, and you know when you've got Henderson hassling in the middle the way he did on Saturday and the way he did it again against Everton, and it's perfect for him to then release Coutinho, Sturridge, Sterling, and Suarez, which is probably one of the most potent strike forces in in the Premier League at the minute. Uh, you mentioned about the intensity in the work rate. How important is it, do you think, that as well as having quality players, you've got players who, who are willing to put a shift in? And as, When I look at Liverpool's team, I don't see any lazy players in that team whatsoever. Yeah, I think, I think to be fair, I think this season everyone's bought into what Rodgers wants to do. I think last season there's a few players who were sort of doing everything half-heartedly, but I think there's a few players that realise now that the fact that Rodgers has been here for a year and a bit, um, you know, like he, he's here to stay you know, for the long run, hopefully. Um, and, you know, I think Gerard, Gerard's definitely bought into it, I think, last season at, at points. I think Gerard looked as though he was a bit unsure of the system that we wanted to play. But, um, you know, when you've got a thump, even, even like now to a point where you've got like Daniel Sturridge, who's, you know, being associated with, you know, being a sulky player on the pitch, he's, he's chasing around, he's working hard. You saw him in positions that you probably would never see a centre forward in on, on, Saturday, on Saturday afternoon. So when you've got, you know, that sort of calibre of player, um, yeah, obviously believing in the system. Um, then you know it can only reflect positively on on Rogers. Uh, staying with Rogers, um, I read an article during the week where he said that um, stopping Suarez leave uh, made him a stronger manager. Uh, and you've yourself have praised have praised Rogers this year. You just praised him again. Do you think that probably is the reason why he's grown into his role as Liverpool manager? I think I think it's a number of things to be honest. I think obviously um, being a Liverpool manager does I think just strengthens you as a manager. You know you're going to come in for. A lot, of fl- a lot of flack from the press. You're going to come in for a lot of flack from other managers because of the role it is and how, how big of a job it is. I think um, the Suarez situation this summer only contributes to um, how much he's come on as a manager. Um, as I mentioned in the past, you know, managing such a big club, it doesn't just mean you know obviously getting results on the pitch. It's it's a, it's a lot of other things, and that's not just Liverpool. That's you know every other team in this room. You know, that's what we want to see. It's, I said about um, he's fighting for the club. You know when he. When he he made those remarks about um, Lee Mason after the City game, I know you didn't agree, but um, you know there's there's sorts of things as 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 fans we want to see, and I'm not sure obviously how much he had to do with the with the Suarez um, Suarez situation this summer. I think the the owners dug dug their feet in as well, but I'm guessing he did have you know quite an important role, and obviously Suarez now is um, is playing you know it's probably the height of his height of his game, and um, you know you can probably only you can only probably praise again um, Rogers for for that. Um, he's obviously had his press conference today, and there's been there was obviously a lot of talk about the title challenge, and, and Brendan himself has kind of wrote that off, saying that it'd be unprecedented to go from a seventh place finish last season to a top place finish, top place finish this season. But make no mistake, I want to get into the Champions League for the people and for the city. Do you think he's really kind of bought into the kind of Liverpool way, and he's he's really up for the challenge of getting you back to where you? so rightly belong. I think everyone knows though that Liverpool should be in the Champions League. You know, I'm not saying that we've got a divine right to be in the Champions League, but for a club our size, I think you know we should we should be competing in, in in all major competitions, whether that's in England or you know in Europe. So, I think he's he's just spoke sense there. To be honest, I think um, obviously on Saturday, you know, BT really wanted to put us in the title race, so they had something to talk about. Um, a bit further away from you know the 20 minutes that we had at the start of the game, um, you know like sort of race stubs. I think he just asked the exact same questions to Raheem Sterling, Daniel Sturridge, as he did to Brendan Rodgers, and inst- you know instead of, it felt as though instead of just like letting us enjoy you know beating the league leaders the, in in the way that we did, it was like sort of you know okay you beat the you beat the league leaders five one, but here's another you know type of pressure. You're in title race now, and I, for me you know like sort of we. 
we're in the top four with five points, three points clear. Sorry, of Tottenham five points clear. Evan, I think of our closest, closest um, rivals for fourth now. As I said at the start of the season, finishing fourth would be a success, and anything other than that would be, you know, obviously, obviously great. Um, a lot has been made about. Obviously, you're saying there that there's been talk in the media about this title challenge. Uh, a lot's been made about Liverpool's fixture list. Um, the teams that are still there: Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, City. They're all still in the Champions League, whether or not they get through. Um, yourselves st- still in the FA Cup, I know, but it sort of leaves Liverpool with all week to prepare for a league game and all week to prepare on their opponents. So does that that surely gives Liverpool an advantage in if in the title race? In the top four, yeah, in the top four chase. I'm not sure about title race, but um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like sort of, I, I'm not a massive fan of the Europa League, as as I think we're probably none of us are. Um, you know, we've last last season we experienced the Europa League, and you know, as I've said, as I said before, like I sort of, I struggled to get myself, you know, sort of motivated the game when we were losing games against like Anzi. I, I I wasn't particularly bothered, you know. Probably sounds bad, but I wasn't I wasn't too fussed about the Europa League, as I've said, and um, you know, sort of obviously as having as a thinner squad as we have, um, it obviously does help only you know competing on two fronts this year with the FA Cup and the, the Premier League, so. Um, yeah, ho- hopefully, um, you know, sort of having a week for Suarez to rest, you know, the game that he sort of plays can only help him and um, ourselves. Just just to carry on with talking about the fixtures, obviously, in terms of league games, eight of those are away from home. Does it worry that you've got to travel so like to so many teams and not not like be at Anfield too much? Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've I, I said to you before the night about um, the sort of the games that we've got to play away from home. I think. Probably the toughest is Manchester United and, and Southampton out of all the games, and um, you know where Manchester United are playing at the minute. I'd fancy to go there and get a result. Um, Southampton as well. I know they turn, you know they sort of play well against the bigger teams, but um, I think I think at the minute we just got to worry about the way we're playing. I think um, don't really. I think a lot of teams do fear us at the minute, and it's been a long time since you know teams have probably feared coming to Anfield or even just playing Liverpool. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy with the way we're playing. And, Probably Rogers would be saying the exact same to the players. The fact that, you know, <laughs> you know, the whole league will have stood up and, and took note of the fact that we just beat Arsenal five one. So we don't need to be worried about worried about other teams, whether that's home or away. I had the opportunity to watch uh, Liverpool on Saturday because we were three o'clock kick off, and I, I don't think I've actually seen them for a full ninety minutes uh, since we played you on Boxing Day. Um, and there were some real standout performance <coughs> performances for me. Um, very impressed with Henderson. I think he, he's probably the unsung hero of the team. Him and Gerard look like they've formed a good partnership where one's working hard off the ball, or if if you've not got the ball, one's chasing down the ball, one's covering the space, and then wherever one was, the you know the other one was guarding. Um, and Coutinho as well, I thought Coutinho was was pretty special. I think with Gerard as well, you know, there's a lot of talk about you know before he, he you know starts playing this defensive midfield role that um, that he needs to learn how to play how to play in that position. I don't I, as I've said before. Um, I think he knew exactly how, he pl- how to play that position, but I think it was just him thinking that he's got to take it upon himself to try and you know sort of win us the game. And it, it is hard to get out to that mentality. You know, he's had, he's, had, he's had to do that for the last um, ten years, but now he needs to realise the fact that his role in the team is um, is you know to, to protect the back four, which is as I've said before, is not the it's not the strongest of, of back fours. So he's grown into that, and the fact that Henderson works so hard in front of him, you know, you saw for the third goal. Harry and Ozil, you know, off the ball, and 
players like that will not like that. You know, as when David Silva comes to Anfield, I'd, I'd guess that you know maybe there'll be a similar response to that. You know, Henderson getting right up his backside, and, you know, like sort of you know breathing down his neck, patting down his neck, and, and he might not be you know used to that. David Silva might be used to having the luxury of. No, I, hope he time I, hope he, I hope he isn't used and, to men panting down his neck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, but, and then, you know, we, as we saw on Saturday, um, when Henderson or Gerrard, you know, ran themselves into the ground, then we've got um, Joel and who, who knows the system perfectly to come on. And, you know, then after half an hour, where he, he, you know, just joins in the system, you know, perfectly. So I think now we're, we're getting bodies back as well as, like, Joel has been injured for a long time, but getting him back, um, it could be vital for, you know, last half an hour games. Um, you obviously mentioned Jordan Henderson's performances. Steven Gerrard's kind of coming into his own in that role. Daniel Sturridge is doing really well, and Raheem Sterling is kind of raising his game at the minute as it as the most vital part of the season comes into it. With uh, Rogers calling him one of the most tactically aware players that he's ever worked with. With this being a World Cup year, uh, is your squad really benefiting from benefiting from the kind of English contingent that you've got? Who are all desperate to get on that plane to Rio? Yeah, probably. I've, I've, to be honest, never really thought about it like that, but. Um... I know, obviously, Sturridge, you know, we had the running early in the season where um, he played the full 90 minutes and then it wasn't fit for the Derby game. But, yeah, I suppose, I suppose it, it does, you know, there's so many positions up for grabs, supposedly. Um, I think, I think personally, you know, I, you know if, if, Sterling, sorry, if Sturridge doesn't score as many goals, you know, for the rest of the season, then I still think he's going to be on the plane just for how good he is on, um, in front of goal. I think um, if Sterling doesn't go, then it's, it'd be a crying shame for, for you know, England, but... You wouldn't put a, put a pass Roy Hodgson to, well, especially to take Walcott Wilfred Zaha. Injured, especially with Walcott being injured, Sterling would be the kind of... Yeah, yeah I, th- I think though, if you can just see Hodgson taking taking um, Sterling, not really playing him, probably bring him off the bench for the last two minutes, something like that. That's just the type of manager he is. But yeah, I, I'd, as I said, I never really thought about it like that. But obviously Sturridge is, um, is so, you know, so he, he really wants to play in the World Cup. He said so many times that he wants to use Liverpool um, as like his route to get to to get to um, to get to Brazil, and I think Sterling's doing the exact same. And I think Jordan Henderson at the, at this minute in time, as um, as Mike's just mentioned about how well he's playing, he should be on the plane as well. I think that might be it for Liverpool. If okay, we move gonna, on, host. Yes, no problem. Move on to Manchester City, who were held at Norwich Norwich City um, in a nil-nil draw. Um, Mike, how disappointed were you that this was your response to the Chelsea defeat? Uh, fairly disappointed. Um, obviously, you want to win. <clears throat> you know, it was we were kind of hoping for a game to come along a bit quicker than that, maybe just to bounce straight back. Uh, but yeah, it was it was disappointing. You, you expect to win those games if you want to. You know, they're going on about winning as many trophies as as they, as they want to win. Um, you won't win anything with performances like that. Um, there was nothing, nothing really, nothing really happening. Um, and I, I mentioned last week about the injuries and. Plenty of people have made excuses. This players coming back, and but uh, again, the team that was out there should, should have should really be beating Norwich. Um, created created a few chances, had plenty of corners. It didn't really, which was disappointing. We didn't really make anything off them. I think we had something like fifteen corners, um, and you expect at least one. I know, I know we, we hit the bar off one of them, but there was so many of those corners that were wasted. And just it, it, you know, they might not have to go in the back of the net, but you can start putting pressure on. And build momentum from there, and it never really, never really got going. Um, some James James Milner came out after the game, and he's like he was saying about the, the state of the pitch and uh, the weather conditions and stuff like that. But come yeah. on, you know it's they're all they're all good enough out there to take responsibility, and hopefully um, again we can bounce back on Wednesday, which is 
uh, an, an even bigger game now at home because we definitely need to get back to winning ways. What did he? What did you put this um, down to? I saw a lot of pundits um, saying that Norwich defended very well. But did you think it was Norwich who kept City out, or was it the fact that City went forward so, so were so inept going forward? Sorry. Yes, yeah, it was probably a combination of both. To be honest, um, like I say, it was it was difficult to break Norwich down. Um, they defended deep, and it it meant that we had to rely on our creative players to. Um, to try and carve up an opening uh, again, David Silva and Torre, who, who weren't the best against um, Chelsea, that they were they were a bit absent. Um, still, still obviously class players and and they, they do do things, but it just it just took just missing that moment of magic really that had opened them up. And um, it's interesting really in in the past few weeks when we have been winning games, we've always seemed to get that early goal, which then you know clicks us into gear and everyone seems to work well. Uh, but we've we've just been just been lacking that really, and I think teams are probably wised up to that. I think they realise how important the the opening stages are against uh, against City and f- fair play to Norwich. They they defended really well, uh, pressed the ball, always made sure they had at least you know eight nine behind the ball at all times, uh, and they could have got on to win it at the end with a there was a dangerous dangerous chance from from our point of view, uh, and then that that would have really. Um, Rub something to the wounds, but luckily, uh, the ball didn't find the back of the net. Do you think there's been an overreaction to this result in the press? Uh, I've, to be honest, I, I, I tend to stay away from um, with games like that because there are, there is obviously going to be an, an overreaction. Just like to be fair, there's an overreaction when we win, but when, when we do go and win, it's like oh, absolutely brilliant. You know, maybe sometimes it isn't, um, and and that's that's what I like about Pellegrini. He doesn't really overreact when we win. He always says that you know we can still improve. Just like when when we don't get the result we want, there's no overreaction, um, and I think that that's important um, because, like, like you say, the media can't wait for someone to someone to fall. And I've said it before; I think they are setting us up for a fall this this year by saying that we're going to win <coughs> all four trophies. One one thing for me that was pretty obvious was how much City missed Aguero. Yeah, I, I managed to watch a bit of the game with Everton being Sunday, and mm. I saw I saw bits and Negredo was like. Pulling out wide and City for me just needed a focal point, someone in the middle, and obviously that would usually be Aguero. But the other two was it Jovetic as well? Jovetic and Aguero. He, yeah. he didn't look like too too interested in staying in the box and waiting for the chance to come. They were both a bit too keen to go mooching about looking for the ball. I think I think any team would miss uh, a player like Aguero. He's he's really um, before when he got back from his injury he was brilliant and then unfortunately uh, injured again. But uh, I think Negredo, yeah, like like you say, he did seem to drift wide, which is a bit uncharacteristic, really. Um, and Jovetic, I thought, out of the players that played, he was probably our liveliest player again. Same same against Chelsea. Uh, but I, th- I think he's he's probably got a point to prove because uh, he's again been out injured for so long. So he's probably still jumping at the bit to um, make an impact in the Premier League and f- fair play to him. You mentioned about some of the chances that you had. Um, do you think if Jesus Navas is a bit braver, he scores? Yeah, um, it, that was a disappointing one really because when when I saw it in normal time, I thought, oh, you know, there's not much you could have done about that. But when you see it again, and uh, he's, he's coming across the face of goal, isn't it? And he he sort of like yeah, stops. he sort of stutters, and then you know you, you can't afford to can't afford to do that. And he'll probably learn that. Maybe, maybe in Spain you might have got away with that. He might have been able to take a touch, set up an overhead kick, and score um, in Spain. But it's that's not the case here. I'm afraid Jesus. Um, just want to get your take on the Aya Torre um, kick or boot or cynical attack yeah. on Ricky Van Bulls. Assault. Yeah, it was one of them. Like at the time, I, I didn't really 
I didn't really like know what was going on. I just saw Van Wolfswinkel. He was just angry. He was just storming around. Um, and I think, to be honest, it's probably fall. Maybe, maybe this is the uh, City fan in me, but I think it's probably fallen in a bad week. You know, with all this Andy Carroll stuff. I think that might have been. I think it maybe would have been ignored if there hadn't been all this to do with you know, take, taking people to court and and all that nonsense. But I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to get your take on it because I I don't really. It was very petulant, wasn't it? Yeah. I think that sort of sums up the his last two performances. But yeah, he's, he's probably frustrated. Do you ever worry about Yaya Torre kind of becoming a, a bad influence within the dressing room because there seems to be times within the season where he has a little petulant spell. And kind of goes off form, and then something happens where he'll he'll kind of put in a bad tackle and get a yellow card, and be very vocal towards the referee, and maybe that kind of affects some of the younger players around the dressing room because he is one of the senior figures now. I don't I, I don't think so. I think um, there's been enough times where top of my head I can think the FA Cup semi final where we beat United. Uh, if you read anything after that game, um, they came out and said that you know think things weren't going right and there were players who were frustrated in the first half. And Torre, Torre, above company, the captain, went in and he pretty much did the team talk and obviously went on to win the game. So Torre's been around, you know, everyone gets frustrated, we're only human. We've said how many times about Daniel Sturridge and Luis Suarez, um, they're just winners, they just want to win. And if if they do get frustrated, I don't think anyone's going to look at that and think that's a negative influence. I think people will probably look at it and think he's, he's a winner, you know, he, he wants to win. Obviously, it's not nice to see... You know, people people losing the rag when when you do need everyone uh, to focus their attention on trying to win the game. But I don't I, I don't think he's a negative influence whatsoever now. Are you worried about the ban? Uh, yeah, because again, with midfield's probably the area where we're lacking most at the minute in terms of injuries. So I think it could be a, a huge blow. Really, uh, he hasn't particularly played well. Um, to be fair, in the past two games, but still, you can't you know you can't doubt his ability, and I think he would be a huge miss. Um, if if he is suspended, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he if he is suspended. You said last week that you think that City are lacking depth mm-hmm. in the squad. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it came out that you spent like what, a billion pound over the last couple of years. Do you think how much money of that has been wasted on, or do you think? That uh, well, I, c- I couldn't give you a figure of, of, obviously, but I think a lot of it has. I think it it goes to show now, um, but it has taken. You know, we in that first summer where we got money you're not going to expect us to go and buy Yaya Torre Sergio you know it's, it's going to take a certain a certain player where like for example our first signing in the in the first full summer was Gareth Barry and i think it's that sort of player where and, and we brought in Craig Bellman not long after and i think it's those sorts of players um in the premier league who people may look at and think oh, waste of money why you know they've got all the money in the world why are they going buy them i think it takes the squad to evolve, like you know, you can't just suddenly go no. out and buy Messi just because you've got money. Can you? we saw in the <coughs> taxi Chinawatra when he went and bought Rubinho, Milano, and how many other players was it? On the uh, no, that uh, that Rubinho was when the new owners came in, but yeah, yeah but in, in that he first, so you know, like he didn't want to be there. Mm, yeah, um, Alano Giovanni was one of them, as well. Yeah. Giovanni, Rolando Bianchi. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it takes time to evolve. Yeah, is, is what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And obviously, John Guadetti went out on loan. Um, I think that sort of player would provide a bit of spark, especially when um, you said your Guerrero. I know it's obviously hindsight, but with a Guerrero's injury, that sort of player, an unknown quantity maybe, being brought off the bench and providing a bit of spark at places like Carroll Road. Yeah, definitely. And he's not, um, he'd, to be honest now, like you say, he'd be getting more game time. It wouldn't surprise me if he was there, then he probably would have started um, against Norwich because. Um, 
Jekyll had a knock and Negredo had a knock, so and obviously Jekyll was on the bench, but uh, it wouldn't surprise, surprise me if he did start uh, one of those games. And he, he's, he's not doing much at Stoke. I think he's there was a, an article in one of the Swedish papers, and apparently they're, they're absolutely raging about it because um, he, he is highly regarded uh, in Sweden. Uh, I think it was like out of the 450 minutes available while he's been at Stoke, I think he's been on for about 15 or something like that. So it's like, I haven't even heard his name uh, while he's been at Stoke. Um, so it's, it's it's a waste of his time. It's a waste of our time, and to be honest, it's a waste of Stoke's time as well because that meant that deal meant that they couldn't bring in Tom Ince. Um So, you know, it, it it just doesn't really add up for me. Um, obviously, just switching attention away from the league, you've got Barcelona coming up in the Champions League. If you get uh, if you get a result against them and get them out of the way in the tournament, how much of an impact will that put onto the Premier League season? And if so, can you then go all the way? In all the way in what? In either competition. Uh, I think I think the Champions League is probably a, a, a stretch too far. I'd, I'd be very surprised if we get past Barcelona. You know, they've they've been there, they've done it before. Um, but you know, we, we we can only give it a go. And I, I think even a good performance. I think a good performance against Bayern Munich uh, away in the Champions League carried us for the next, I'd say, month or so. Uh, it seemed to give everyone a lift. So I think if they go out there and give a good account of themselves, then it could be beneficial, even if we don't get through. Um, and we're well, well, you know, capable of of doing that definitely. I just want to wrap up on City. Uh, do you want to comment on Mourinho's, what Mourinho thinks of Manchester City? What is it now? Um, he uh, called you a Jaguar. A Jaguar, as in the car. So after he was a little horse. Yeah, he said he said that he doesn't want he doesn't want to talk about horses no more. City or a Jaguar? Jaguar. I don't. I don't. I think it means like an experienced, being there, done it. Have we? Type. We've won, won, say, won one Premier League trophy. That's what he's trying to say. And uh, Mourinho's won more than we have as a club, haven't they? I swear he doesn't even know what he's on about. Types. Types. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, <coughs> you've you've got, got things. Got no comment. I'd like. Yeah. I would like to say like I think there's a lot of people who do cling on to his every word that he says and think it's like serious and. Compared him to a Jaguar, that's hilarious. But what whatever he says, whatever he says, there's a motive behind it. There's something behind it. And I think Pellegrini made a good point uh, in his press conference last week when he said that, um, obviously talking about Mourinho, he's saying some managers like to take the pressure off the players, so then when things do go right for them, they'll be praised. You know, because he's sat there saying, "Oh no, we're, we're all about next year. You know, we're, we don't want to win it this year. So if or when they do." Win the Premier League, everyone will be turning around. I guarantee it. The the papers will be absolutely loving it, saying, "Oh, he's done it! How on earth has he won this Premier League?" So, um, you've you've just got to take everything he says with a pinch of salt. So what you're saying is you don't want to talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> After talking about it for a minute or so, <clears throat> I think like Jose Mourinho's the Simon Cowell of football. Yeah, yeah. He gets everyone talking when no one really wants to talk about it. Very good comparison, Jordan. Thank you. That's why you're the host. There we go. And we'll move on and give everyone a rest there. Move on to our crazy things in Europe. Ooh. Still Mike, like, Mike likes to call them. Looney Tunes. Or Euro Trip. Euro Looney trip. Tunes, what? Where's that called? <laughs> Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Euro I must trip. be daydream. Euro Trip. Euro Trip. Yeah. Euro trip. I don't mind Euro Trip, to be honest, but we're still trying to think of something snazzy. Yeah. Um, we'll start in Portugal, where Benfica versus Sport in Lisbon. The Lisbon Derby. One of the probably the biggest games in Portugal. Was postponed due to heavy wind. Which blew stadium insulation, which then fell onto the pitch. Um, for those of you who may not know, the stadium light is actually due to host the Champions League final in May. So there you go. Yeah. 
Um, move on to Italy now, where we spent most of last week. Um, the Rome derby, which obviously provided a great advertisement for Italian football, finished nil-nil. Um, nothing really to talk about, no red cards, no... Nothing really in the stands, probably maybe some fighting outside the stadium, but hey, I, it's I was, Italy. I was keeping up with the score. Um, on, keeping up with the score? On an unnamed uh, football app on my iPhone. Uh, <laughs> there are other phones available. Um, <laughs> and it was just like, all, all I could see was just bookings. So I just thought, yes, great game. But I tell yeah, you, yeah, I, I guarantee those bookings were just like, yeah, like from nothing, yeah. tugging the shirt. Um, elsewhere, um, Verona came from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 with Juventus. Um, flying high with Luca Toni. Want to touch on Verona? Just scores, goals, doesn't he? Uh, no, Verona are the surprise team, aren't they? Sorry, yeah. But they've just, they just yeah. sold Jorginho yeah. to Napoli. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's one of those where he's one of those players that's played quite well, gets a move to a big club and might not do anything else. But it's what nice. about Luca Toni getting a move to a big club? What about that one? He's Put a span in the works. 36 now. Get him Why not? Stoke? Why not? Never, never too old. I'll tell you what, I'd love to see him in the Premier Cup. League. World Cup. Luca Toni and Jesco Totti up front. Luca Toni and Vincenzo Iacquinta up front. Like that one. Sorry, Mario. Where's Totti going to play? No, no. Right back. Is he not still banned? That was my next point, Alex. Go on. You tell us. Go on, go on. Say say what you're going to say. He was just walking about in Naples with like all the fans and like people. Yeah, like people who love him, people who hate him, and it was just a typical Balotelli thing to do. Well, that was that must have came after the fact that Mario Balotelli was substituted in Milan's um, 3-1 defeat away at Napoli. And he sat on the bench and cried. Do we know why he cried? It's not because of racist chants, supposedly. No. Um, apparently this week he's found out that um, he's got another girl pregnant in Naples. In and, Naples? Yeah, and he's absolutely devastated. How far is Milan from Naples? I'm sure it's, qu- I'm sure it's quite far. Yeah. How far? Yeah. What's he doing now? I don't know. It's a typical it's probably one of the fans he loves him. Mario's seed about. travels far, obviously. So that's why he cried. Apparently so, yeah. I know, I know, I know. People have said, "Oh, it's beautiful." He, he's upset because of football, yeah. but apparently he's he's really torn up about um, getting a girl pregnant. Which I don't get. Oh, getting keep, keep it in your pants, Mario. That sort of. Oh no, I've got someone pregnant, and now I've been subbed. Just he's an emotional guy, Alex. Doesn't add up. There you go. There's another Balotelli story for us, and there's another Balotelli story. Adults wrapped. Obviously, the QPR flop, the Fulham flop, maybe the Milan flop. He reckons that he's the Moroccan Balotelli. He's probably right, to be honest, because he's a bit of an idiot, isn't he? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but he's not getting girls pregnant. No, no, he's, he's not. He's keeping it out of papers. He knows how to wrap his tool, doesn't he? Made a great start to his debut, didn't he? He scored after, what, yeah, ten did. minutes? He did. Um, we moved to Germany, where Matthias Sammer, obviously the ex-Germany captain and outspoken Bayern Munich director, said about Javi Marti- Martinez and, and Muller leaving the club as... All bullshit. This was this was a comment. Javi Martinez to Real Madrid. Muller, I don't know. It's Dynamo Dresden. It's all bullshit. <laughs> well, there you go. We're staying, staying with Germany. Um, we've got the last two here. Um, Jürgen Klopp. Um, he said, Dortmund are as strong as a bear in a 5-1 win over Bremen. So, there you go. They haven't, they haven't been that strong this year, have they? There's your Jürgen Klopp soundbite. They can't be that strong when they're signing G-Dong 1 from Augsburg. And then loan them out to Augsburg. Yeah. Who they, Oh, that's what you just said. Yeah. And then he scored. <laughs> and then he scored against them. Yes. Yes. If you give me a chance to finish, off, carry <laughs> I'm on. Sorry, sorry. I do apologise. What? He's on loan from them. He, and bought, he played he against bought him. him. They bought him from Sunderland, or on a free, I think. Yeah. So Sunderland released him or sent him to Augsburg on a free. Is this the geezer who scored against City? Yeah, the Bundesliga yeah. scored against City. So Dortmund looked at him through the first half of the Bundesliga season, signed him up, 
loaned him back out to Augsburg, who then played him against Dortmund, and he scored a goal. And it was a 2-2. That's weird how he's allowed to play. He's usually not allowed to play against the team. But you, we had a, you loaned from. Yeah. But no, that's that's apparently just in just in these parts. Is these it? parts, yeah. like we're a wilderness country. Well, we are, aren't we? <laughs> we're in, an in, island. The mid- in the middle, aren't we? No way. <laughs> we're an island, right? Everton, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, Hamburg fans threw missiles such as eggs, lighters, and beer cups at the players, and had to be beaten back by police after riots. After um, they were beaten three 0 by Hertz Berlin at home. This is their sixth straight Bundesliga loss. Can't really be a surprise when you've got Michael Mencian at centre half. He was linked with, uh, I, can't, I forget who, I think it might have been QPR. He was linked back uh, <sighs> with the move. Of course. It's not really, it's not really a surprise when I've, you've got. Obviously fell through. Premier League rejects. Speaking of her to Berlin, has anyone seen that Adrian Ramos that plays for them up front? He'll probably start for Colombia. He's one hell of a finisher. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, pro- he's about six foot three, just brilliant in the air. And. Uh, everyone's saying that Jackson Martinez for Porto will probably get a start, but I'd, I'd go with Ramos over Martinez, definitely. And we'll finish with probably one of the strangest stories that you'll hear this week. Um, the Spiegel, 